This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and move forward with our Hot Button Issues series, and today we're going to talk about authority issues. So if you're taking notes, write that title down. We're going to talk about issues with authority, and we all have them because authority is everywhere. You're not going to be able to get away from authority. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Authority is everywhere you go. Matter of fact, you probably ran into some authority on your way to church today. If you had to go and stop at a stop sign, or if you had to go through a traffic light, or if you slowed down when you saw that officer hidden along the side of the road as your foot was possessed by a spirit of rebellion to press a little harder than maybe it should on your accelerator of your vehicle. Because we all deal with authority. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. So we need to learn how to deal with authority. And a lot of times, we have this natural innate thing in us that wants to rebel against authority, and nobody has to teach us this. It's not like we went to a school to learn how to break rules, and someone taught us how to. It's not like someone set us down as children and said, okay, here's lying 101. When you go for the cookie in the cookie jar that mom said no, and you go reach your hand in there and you eat it, and then mom asks you later if you reached your hand in the cookie jar, here's how to get out of the deal. (laughs) If you went to a school like that or if anybody taught you that, they're a moron. Because we don't have to teach lying. We don't have to teach rebellion. There's something in us that does it naturally. And the Bible says that by nature or naturally, you and I are children of wrath. There's something sinful in us that desires to do what we're not supposed to do. That desires to rebel against the authority that's put in place. And if we feed that natural thing on the inside of us, and we don't learn how to be free from that and learn how to truly submit to God's authority, then that can grow out of control and it can become a stumbling block for us and even for our children and our friends and others around us. Because if I don't learn how to deal with authority and how to truly trust God or learn how to approach authority in my life, I develop attitudes towards authority that can be taken on by other people. That's why a lot of kids grow up hating the police because their parents hate the police. They just don't like them. I don't like the cops. Their kid has no reason to not like the cops, but the kid doesn't like the cops. There's video games that uh, they can kill cops in. There are uh, slang words that people use for cops, and people want to uh, always avoid them and always want to you know, talk bad about them, or the government. People always want to talk bad about authority. They want to talk bad about their boss. They want to talk bad about their parents. And the thing that you and I need to realize is, is that it's not the person in authority that you and I have a problem with. It's authority itself. Because the person can change, but if the issue in your heart is never resolved, you're always going to have the same problem. Case in point, I don't like my boss. My boss is a jerk. He does all of this and this and this and this. Well, you say, I'm going to quit and remove myself from under that authority, and I'm going to go work for someone else. And you like that new boss until that boss does something you don't like. Then all of a sudden, you're back in the same boat. So what changed? You changed jobs. Well, now I guess i got to find another job because this guy did something I don't like too. This guy is, 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 is not ethical or he's not doing right or whatever. We get mad and swole up and so we 
go and we just try to find another authority. The issue, the common denominator is authority. It's not a person. It's not the police. It's the authority that they represent. It's not the boss. It's not the parents. It's authority that we have an issue with. Because remember, we talked about this last week with offense when we dealt with that. Ephesians 6 and 12 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And that's what the real battle is all about. It's about the spiritual thing, that there's something at war on the inside of us that's wanting to do something that it's not supposed to do, that doesn't want to submit. Where does that thing come from? Where does this rebellion that by nature you and I are, are, are just are cursed with, where does that come from? Rebellion to authority is a result of the fall of man. The fall of man is an event that happened in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bible, you can go to the book of Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 1. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, God created the earth, and everything that God made was good. Everything God did was good. Man, we were living in stinking paradise, okay? It was amazing. We walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. Everything was great. God was accessible to man, and man was enjoying God's creation. And God placed his creation, Adam and Eve, his man and woman, in the middle of this paradise. There was no sin. There was no death. Everything was absolutely perfect. And God said, you can eat of all of these trees in the Garden of Eden that I've provided for you except one. There's this one tree that I want you to stay away from. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat of it, he said, you're going to surely die. And the funny thing to me about that is that all of the good and all of the blessings and all of the good things God was trying to do for mankind far outweighed the thing that he wanted us to stay away from. He said, of every tree you can eat. He didn't say there's like 60 or 70 trees that are good and about 40 or 50 that's bad. No, he said, all this is good. And this one thing I want you to stay away from. And yet it's the one thing that we were tempted with in the Garden of Eden. The Bible talks about that in Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Stop right there. What is the serpent, the snake, Satan, the devil, what is he doing in that moment? He's challenging God's authority. He's challenging God's word because when God speaks, authority speaks because God is ultimate authority. Amen? So when God spoke to Adam and Eve, he said, don't eat of this tree. And then the serpent immediately comes and challenges God's authority. He plants that seed very slyly, very sneaky, and he says, has God said, did he really say that? I mean, did he really tell you guys that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I mean, is God trying to take something away from you? Is he trying to withhold something from you? And he began to challenge the authority of God. And the woman said to the serpent, We can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God said, Don't eat it. Don't even touch it, lest you die. So in other words, the woman says, I know what God said. I'm aware of the authority that God has placed in my life. And that authority is not there to keep me from enjoying everything because what God wants me to enjoy far outweighs what he wants me to abstain from. The reason that God doesn't want me to touch that, he doesn't want me to do that is because I trust God and I know he knows better what I need than I know what I need. And in the moment that I would choose 
something that I thought I needed that God didn't provide for me, that's the moment that I say, I know better than God. And that's what Eve was saying to the serpent. And then what did he say to her? He said, verse 5, or verse 4, you will not die. Whoo! He gets a little bolder. You see, at first he starts off questioning God. And then he flat out makes a rebellious statement towards God. And the woman heard him say, whoa, I'll not die. And then the devil gets a little sneakier. He goes, for God knows in that day, when you eat of that, that your eyes are actually going to be open. And you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's actually withholding something from you. So you need to go ahead and take it, because this is crazy. I mean, come on. That's not fair. God's not being very fair, is he? So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise... She took of its fruit, and she also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Hold up. You mean Adam was not lounging on the beach somewhere naming animals? He was actually there with her? Did you guys see that? Her husband who was with her? So here we have the first man and woman on the planet, and what does this man do who has been given authority from God to lead his spouse, to take care of her, to protect her in the moment that he's supposed to protect her from this temptation, from this evil that Satan's bringing in? He gets passive all of a sudden. And he lets this snake talk to his wife and allows her to be tempted instead of standing up and being the man that God created him to be, and operating in the authority that God had given him. Whoa. Adam had been given a great responsibility to help protect and take care of this lady. He had been given authority, and he just hands that authority over by going, oh, well, whatever you want to do, honey. It's a very cowardly and spineless act that Adam didn't step up and stand up for his wife. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam, and he said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And what does the man do? <clears throat> the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Really, Adam? First of all, <clears throat> first of all, Adam didn't protect his wife, and now he's throwing her under the bus? Not only did he throw her under the bus, he threw God under the bus because he knew he was wrong. And when you know you're wrong, when you know you're in sin, you will begin to throw other people under the bus, and you won't stand up for what is right. And you throw people under the bus and you go, whoa, 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 God, it was this woman that you gave me. I mean, come on, couldn't you have done a better job of giving me a better woman? <laughs> Which is basically what Adam was saying. I don't know how sassy Eve was, but she was probably looking at him like, Psh, what? <laughs> I know he just didn't. And then all of a sudden, he blames his wife. 
and he blames God. You see what rebellion does? And it's, it's a spirit of rebellion that once he took that fruit and he took that action, he didn't stand up, he didn't protect his wife, and then he throws her under the bus. How selfish was Adam in this moment? Everybody wants to give Eve a hard time. What about Adam who should have protected his wife? What about Adam who could have owned up to failing at his responsibility in the eyes of God, but instead chooses to throw God and his wife under the bus. It's because of this issue with authority. Verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So now Eve's blaming the serpent. Nobody's owning up to this deal. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Notice when it says her seed, there's a capital S there, because that's a prophecy of Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And all the lady says, thanks a lot, Eve. <clears throat> your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then Adam said, to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and in toil you shall eat it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you're going to return. You see, what Adam did in this moment was, he was given authority by God. And then he gave up that authority. And because he gave up that authority, sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, sin and death spread to all men because God's intent for us was that we weren't supposed to die. Matter of fact, he had to ban Adam and Eve from the garden because he knew that if they ate from the tree of life that they would live forever. And he said they can't do that, not while they're in rebellion towards me, not while sin is ruling in this earth. And so he had to remove them from his perfect paradise garden that he created for them. And from that point on, every person that was born out of Adam and Eve Every single person that has been born on this planet was born as a child of wrath, a child from a corruptible seed that is prone to sin. And so it's by nature that we lie. It's by nature that we are rebellious towards authority. That is our sinful, fallen nature. Oh my goodness, if we're born into this thing and the sinful fallen nature is unavoidable and sin ultimately leads to death and the Bible says the wages of sin is death, what are we going to do? I'm glad you asked. Because no matter how good or obedient you try to be, you can never get forgiven from that sin in and of your own strength. You can't redeem yourself from that fallen nature by your obedience. No. It was not our obedience, but Jesus Christ's obedience, that he absorbed God's wrath for you and for me on the cross. So we're now once again under that authority of God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we have been restored to right standing with God. 
You see what Jesus did for us. It wasn't our obedience. It was his obedience. The Bible said that he was the one who fulfilled this perfect life, that fulfilled this being a spotless sacrifice. He was the only one that could do it, and he gave his life for you and for me. And now because of our faith in him, we've been made right with God. It's not our righteousness, it's his righteousness. Amen? It's not our right standing, it's his right standing, and he's my mediator, he's my go-between, he's my high priest that entered him once and for all, and now I can be reconnected to God, just like I once was in the Garden of Eden, because of Jesus. It's by faith that we have been saved, we've been saved because we trust in him, because we receive that gift of God that leads to eternal life. That's where the Bible says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation old things have passed away not just talking about your past and the bad things you've done no it's talking about this sinful fallen nature it's passed away and behold all things are become new romans chapter 5 the apostle paul explains this to the romans romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says therefore just as through one man sin entered into the world what one man did sin enter in the world through like two people answered Okay, so we're going to pretend for a minute, okay? We're going to pretend that we're in Sunday school, like old school, like back in the day, and you are that kid in the class that has the answer, and you're going, pick me, pick me. You're sitting on the edge of your seat, and you're going, ooh, 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 pick me, ooh, I know, I know, I know, all right? So you're that kid, all right? Therefore, just as through one man sin entered in the world, and death through sin. Who is that one man? Ooh, 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 pick me. Adam, you're right, you're right. When I was a youth pastor, I used to give out points, and they weren't really for anything, but I would say, hey guys, raise your hands up in the air. Here come some points. Now, what you do with those, be responsible with those. Spend them wisely. So I give you all points today. You all get points. Be, be wise steward of those points. <laughs> so here's the deal. Death spread through sin because that's where sin ultimately leads is death, right? The pathway of sin is going to lead to death. Death spread to all men because all men sinned. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nonetheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. The Bible says even if you didn't do what Adam did, you're still going to suffer the consequences of it because this is a curse that's on mankind, this curse of sin that's leading to death, even if you didn't do what Adam did. But verse 15 says this, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. That's good news, folks. We can high-five amen and do backflips out the door. That's good stuff right there. Thank you, Jesus, that you did what I couldn't do, that you restored me into right standing with God. But not only did he restore me into right standing with God, he restored the authority that I once lost. So now I have authority in Christ, and I have to decide who I'm going to identify with because now I can identify with this new nature that I have because now I'm reconnected to God through Jesus. He has put His life on the inside of me. It's His Spirit that has been made alive in me. But sometimes I get caught up in this trap where I identify with who I used to be in my fallen state. 
And I get confused because the enemy always wants to pull my mind and my way of thinking and my way of acting back to who I used to be before Christ when I was in that fallen state. And I don't identify with this new life that I have in Christ that is separated from this sinful nature. Because the Bible calls that the old man. The Bible says we're to crucify our flesh. The Bible says that who we were is dead and now we are made alive in Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? And that's what God's trying to show us. And and a lot of times when we have authority issues, it's because we're not identifying with who He has made us to be in Christ. We're identifying with that fallen nature. Because if we truly understood what God has done through giving us His Son, we would understand that it's not about what I don't get and what I get limited to. It's about what He has done done for me and how good and great he is and I begin to understand when I identify with Christ that all authority comes from God all authority comes from God I don't care what your title is what your position is how much authority you may or may not have even if you're the president of the United States of America all authority is delegated authority which means that you can only operate in that authority as long as you play by the rules and you operate within the parameters of the authority that has been delegated to you. There are these things that they're in Sheboygan Falls. They're octagons and someone painted them red, put a white line around the edge of it. They wrote letters on it and they painted them white also, reflective material. And those letters are S-T-O. And some people don't understand that. Some people get really confused, especially in falls, because I live in falls, and we only have a handful of these things in our community, but we have enough that it confuses people when there are multiple ones in a certain location. I don't know, let's say there's four in a location, just for humor's sake. And you'll pull up to one of these things, and that sign represents authority. And it says stop, and you stop. But if you and another guy that you've never met before, you don't even know this guy, we pull up at the same time. He may have got there at the same time, but if if, if we're pulling up this way, he's on the right, so he has the right away. But we've never met, but for some reason, he wants to wave me on. Like he has authority all of a sudden, oh, buddy, just go ahead. But what he doesn't know is that the guy that's to the left of me doesn't understand what's going on between he and I and this friendship we're building. (laughs) He doesn't understand that me and this guy are best friends, and and, and he's saying, go ahead and go. Oh, thanks, buddy. This guy doesn't know that. He's trying to obey the authority that the sign represents. So he goes ahead, and he goes, and I go, and we get in a fender bender, and I'm going, what happened? Somebody didn't operate under authority. You see, authority isn't there to limit you. Authority is there to protect you. Authority is there to offer structure for you and guidance for you. A lot of times we rebel against authority, and we don't understand that it's from God. All authority is from God. Because guess what? Somebody gave a guy the authority to design a sign that would represent stopping that would carry authority. 
someone gave the person who gave that guy authority authority to make that decision to give that guy the authority. Someone gave that guy who had the authority to give the guy the authority to make the sign that has authority authority. It all leads back to God at some point because man in and of himself has no authority unless it's delegated. Even the President of the United States has parameters that he has to operate within. He has things that he's supposed to do. Your boss has parameters that he or she needs to operate in. They have authority. That doesn't mean that sometimes authority doesn't get abused because we understand that that does happen. But ultimately, all authority is delegated because the only one who can't have authority delegated to him is God. So that means when he speaks, authority speaks. And so if we have an issue with authority, if we have an issue with the police, if we have an issue with the stop sign, if all of a sudden the, the, the demon gets in our right foot and we press down too hard because we're in such a hurry and we neglect and rebel against that authority of that speed limit sign, ultimately, we're rebelling against God. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? But it's true. And we've all done it because there's a part of us that when we identify with that fallen nature, is at enmity with God because God can't be where sin is. And that's why he sent Jesus, so he could redeem us back to himself, so he could pay the price for you and for me. And so now that we've been redeemed and we've been forgiven and we're justified in the eyes of God, we need to identify with Christ and understand his ways and understand his truth and submit to those things in a way that will honor and glorify him and reflect him instead of identifying with that fallen sinful nature that wants to rebel against authority, which means it ultimately wants to rebel against God. You know, it's the same thing with kids. If you have children, you set rules in place, and then you set consequences for those. That's how it works at my house. My children don't just have rules for the sake of having rules. They have rules and boundaries, but then there are also consequences when those things aren't followed. And so when my children choose not to do what I told them to do, the thing that they get for that, whether that be a grounding or whatever discipline or whatever thing we decide to take away from them or however that discipline works, they actually chose that instead of operating within the realm of freedom that they had that I gave them if they would submit to my authority. And understand this, parents. We're going to hit the pause button for just a minute, okay? little side sermon, okay? Don't tell your kids to do things and always have to bait them with incentive to get them to obey you. Because if you do that, you're teaching your children that that's how God is. Because since God is authority and He's ultimate authority, you have been given delegated authority from God to show those children what authority is. And when you show your children that they get good things because they obey you, then what you're teaching your children is that if you obey God, that my motive is to get good things. Now, there's nothing wrong with blessing your kids and giving them things when they obey and do well. But you don't just get your children to obey because of the incentive that you give. 
And you don't tell your children, you better obey me because I give you a house, I give you a bed, I give you food, I give you clothes. That's why you should obey me. If we tell our children that, we're painting for them a distorted picture of who God is. And we're showing our children that we obey God because of what He does for us instead of just getting to know Him and love Him and trust Him for who He is. And it it distorts our view of God and we have to be careful. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with giving your kids something nice if they've been obedient consistently in, in some areas. But you don't have to bait your children into obeying with rewards. They're not dogs. Amen? Amen. No, you obey because you love me. And you know that I know what's best for you. And you're building that relationship of trust with me. And I don't want to violate that with you. So I want to be someone who's worthy of being followed. Someone that you can respect and someone that you know cares about you. And what do we always say all the time? You'll understand when you're a parent. I guess we'll all understand when we're God. Good luck with that one. So what we need to do is we need to just trust God because He loves us and because He cares for us. That's why we submit to His authority. You see, the authority of God is like an umbrella. Pastor, open an umbrella inside. Dun, dun, dun. What does that mean? It means, Pastor, open an umbrella inside. And if all of a sudden, for some freaky reason, it rains in here, you jokers are out of luck. Because here's the deal. God's authority is like an umbrella. If I were walking in the middle of a rainstorm like this, you would go, that guy ain't right. You might say that about me anyways, but I don't know. That's between you and Jesus. But here's the thing. If I walk around like this, you go, man, what is wrong with that guy? What if it was raining and I decided to step on it? It's raining. What is that guy doing? He's standing on top of the umbrella. That doesn't make sense. He should be where? Under it. So he can be protected from the things that would want to try to ruin his day. You see, when I look at the Word of God as my umbrella, when I understand that God wants me to be under His authority and submitted to Him, and I'm under Him, then I'm protected from certain things in life that I can know that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because I'm under your umbrella. Even though I may be going through a hard time right now, I know that this is not the end for me. Why? Because I'm under your umbrella. Even though I may be discouraged, distraught, and frustrated, and mad at everybody and everything, I'm not going to give up or quit. Why? Because I know you're going to protect me. Because I know you have better for me than I want for myself. And I'm going to trust in your plans and your ways because your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I'm going to submit myself to you so it would be more appropriate for us to say to get under God's umbrella. I want to be under His Word, under His authority. Because this is how I learn to choose Him and learn to trust in God. The thing is, is that we need to be under what God is over. We need to be under what God is over. We need to trust in Him. We need to get under God's umbrella. And we hear things in church. We hear pastors say things like, Oh, church... No, you're going through a hard time in life right now. 
But you just need to cast all your care on the Lord, brother, sister, because he cares for you. Okay? Struggling with that, Pastor. You may read in the Bible in Proverbs 3 and 5 to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And he's going to direct your path. That sounds nice, but let me tell you what I'm going through and how difficult it is to trust in the Lord right now. You could be hearing something that's just hitting you right between the eyes in a service or when you read the Word of God or when you spend time with the Lord and be rebellious towards it. And we've all done it. But why do we do it? I'll tell you why. Because I think a lot of times we know a lot about God but we don't really know Him. It would be like someone that you know a lot about. Let's say you know a lot about Aaron Rodgers. You've seen his highlight reel. You've read his life story. You know things about him he doesn't even know about himself because you're such a fan. You've become a fan of Aaron Rodgers. You've watched his highlight reel. You've, you, you've relived his championship moments. You've seen how he's been celebrated and how he's been victorious over and over again. And you respect him and you admire him. But would you leave your kids with him for a year? I don't know about that. My kids are awfully precious to me. You mean you wouldn't trust Aaron Rodgers with your kids? Maybe some of you would, and you need Jesus if that's the truth. <laughs> because here's what you're doing. You're assuming he's a good guy based off of what you've heard and what you know about him. But truth be told, you'd be a little nervous because you really don't know him. You just know a lot about him. You know all kinds of stuff about him. We say, yeah, here, here, you, you, you can take, a, take, take my, my, my wife and kids and, 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 and everything that I have and everything is precious to me and I hope everything works out in a year and we'll see you. I trust you. I'm casting all my care upon you because I know you care about me. I've heard good things. <laughs> heard good things. And we know a lot about Aaron Rodgers, but we don't know him. And so we would be uncomfortable leaving our precious children or our spouse or things that matter to us in life with someone we don't know, but we know a lot about it. It's the same thing with God, I think, a lot of times. I've heard all about God's victories. I've read his stat sheet. I've heard about all of the good things he's done, and man, I've read, whoo, he really does sound good. He really does sound great. He sounds like somebody that I, I would really like. But because I don't know him personally, because I don't know him intimately, I just know a lot of things about him. Then when it comes to me casting my cares upon him, I go, I don't know if that's really legit and it's going to work out. Because I just heard that you do that stuff. I may have experienced it once or twice, but I don't really know you. I just know a lot about you and what you can do, not what you will do, because I don't know you. You see, folks, the only way we can get to know God is through Jesus Christ, through his word. He is the Word made flesh. He dwelt among us. And He's reconnected us to our Father because we couldn't do it in and of ourselves. And so now we have an opportunity to get to know Him. And the more I know Him, guess what happens? The more I trust Him. The more I know Him, the more I trust Him. You can't say you love somebody that you don't trust and you can't trust someone you don't know. I tell my wife that I love her which is really me affirming not just a feeling that I have, an emotional attachment that I have, it's me affirming that I trust her. 
My wife could be gone for a week and, and, and I'm not going to be freaking out about trust issues because we have spent enough time together and I know her well enough that I trust her. If I say I'm going to be home by a certain time or that I'm going to do this or that, she knows me well enough to know that she can trust me because I've continually invested that trust in her. How? Through getting to know her. And so I know what I can go to her with and what I can give her and what she can handle and vice versa with me as well. And it's the same thing between your relationship between you and God. That's why God gives us these things like, like marriage. It, it, it shows us the type of relationship that God wants to have with you and me. That's why God gives us kids. <laughs> well, you get a different perspective on God when you're a parent, don't you? You thought you knew God, and then all of a sudden you have kids, and you go, wow, so this is what it means to be a parent. And I imagine when I become a grandparent, I'm going to get a whole new perspective on God and how He loves us, because God gives us these little tastes of things that should be reflecting what we have with Him. And the more I get to know Him, just like later on in life, the more that I have different life experiences and the more those relationships build and bond, the more I get closer to those people and the, the deeper that bond gets. And it's the same thing with God. The more I get to know Him, the more that trust from me to Him grows. And then when you say, cast your cares on the Lord because He cares for you, it's not just empty words that somebody's given you some good advice that you really don't believe is going to work. It's something you know for a fact because it's settled in your heart because you know Him. That's why you're willing to submit to Him because you go, you know what, God? I want to be under your umbrella because I know that you're a man that you won't lie. I know that you are worthy to be trusted because I know you. I think that there's people that know a lot about God that have never met Him. They know a lot about Him. They know all the right things to say and do that they think will get God to like them or give them a gold star or maybe give them some points. But it's nothing compared to knowing Him. There are people who are theologians and scholars and historians who are atheists. They know a lot about God. You've seen them on the History Channel. And they talk about the Bible just like it's a history book and it's another piece of literature. And they speak as people who know a lot. And you're like, wow, this person knows a lot about God. Yes, but they deny His existence in their life because they don't know Him personally. Amen. You can know a lot about a lot of things and never know that person God wants us to know Him personally because when we know Him, we trust Him. So when He tells us to go here, don't go here. When He tells us to, to allow our steps to be ordered by Him, when He tells us to cast all our cares on Him, we can do it a lot easier when we know Him and trust Him. Amen, somebody? You see, we have delegated authority through Jesus Christ to be over the things that God designed for us to be over. He delegated that authority to us. It's His authority, not my authority. It's Jesus Christ's authority. So when He says, are you tired of struggling in your marriage all of the time because you're outside of the covering of God with your marriage? It's not God's fault. You've chosen to expose yourself to all the problems and turmoil that comes along with not being submitted to God. Because God says, my ways are better. 
God says in Ephesians chapter 5 how we're supposed to treat one another, how husbands are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the church, and how wives are supposed to submit and trust their husbands. And when they understand those roles, and they go, okay, God, you know better than me. I'm going to submit to you, and I want to learn what that looks like because I know you then I began to see the benefits of that, and I began to understand that I'm committed. I began to understand that I'm going to grow through this trial, through this storm, through this stuff, because I'm submitted to you, because I know you. We have a class going on right now at church. It's called Financial Peace University, and we have a lot of people that are showing up for that. And I think it's a great class, and it's all based on biblical principles of stewardship concerning finances. But you can come to that class and hear... Dave Ramsey teaches the Bible concerning finances, and you can still walk out broke and frustrated if you stay outside of the covering. Because God's saying, if you trust me and you allow my stewardship principles and, and, and the things that I have set forth in my word to be your covering, then you're submitting yourself to my authority and you're saying you trust me with your finances. You see what I'm saying here today? We're, we're worried about our kids. Our, our, our kids are going crazy. We don't know what to do with them. It's, they're going nuts and we're worried. What is going on? Are we under the covering? Are we raising our children to love the Lord? Are we raising our children in the church, in the house of God, exposing them to other Christian families, exposing them to other people that are connected to God, that can be good examples for them, that we can all be sharpening one another, are we teaching our children the Word of God, or are we just depending on someone else to raise our children for us? You see, when I take that responsibility, because I know God, and I put myself underneath it, then I begin to submit to God's authority. And then I can operate within the authority that He has given me. Amen? We need to be under what we're supposed to be under. So we can be over what God intends for us to be over. So if you're tired of things being over you that God did not intend to be over you, then ask yourself, what am I under? Am I truly submitting? Am I truly under what God wants me to be under? Because if I'm struggling in this area or that area, if it's, if it's addiction, if it's anger, if it's depression, if it's unforgiveness, if it's worry and these things are ruining your life, am I truly submitting to someone I know? What do I know about God's heart for me? What do I know about God's love for me? Yeah, things may be shaky right now. Things may be scary right now in my life. But I know that I can cast my cares upon you because I know you care for me. And then it doesn't become another formula for me to try to get what I want. Oh, come on, somebody. That's another sermon all in itself. The Bible is not a formula to get you what you want. It's not a step-by-step -step program to try to get you what you think you want, what you think you need in life. The Bible is God revealing His heart to mankind so we can get to know Him. It's not a list. It's not a book of rules. It's a book of His heart. It's what He's chosen to give to us that's endured for thousands of years that we would have a piece of His heart revealed to us that He willed, that He wanted us to have to see who He was that would open the door for us to begin to have an understanding of who He is and that it would stir up within us a hunger and a desire for us to want more of Him because we would taste and see that He's good. 
And the more we begin to know Him, the more we begin to trust Him, the more we submit to Him, the more we begin to get under God's umbrella. You see, His Word is our umbrella. It reveals to us who He is. And when I know Him for who He is, I can learn what I'm supposed to be under so I can also know what He desires for me to be over and victorious in in this life. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads this morning. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.